0: All right, welcome to the Armchair Commanders Podcast. I'm John. And I'm Jack. And this week we are reviewing the greatest beer run ever. And uh, Jack, this was your choice. And I have to say, I was I was
1: very surprised by how impressed I was by this film. I, Could I, you elaborate on that? Like, what were you expecting from this film? Be completely honest with me.
0: I... Okay, so one, the title of it is a very kind of like frat boy title for a movie, and the other part of this too is the movie poster for this film is just kind of over the top and ridiculous. I was honestly expecting like National Lampoon's like Vietnam Vacation, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I was I was pleasantly surprised. There, I actually found myself having uh emotions which i know is gross but ew
1: <laughs> no
0: it, i actually i felt a great deal out of this movie and uh, actually found myself critically thinking quite a bit which was way more than i was bargaining for
1: yeah i'm gonna be honest this movie's been on my to watch li- it's been on my watch list for a while now And this podcast gave me the perfect excuse to finally watch it. And even though I had to make another account. And for those of you that have been paying attention at home, I really hate making new accounts, like whether it's for video games, for anything. I hate making new accounts like, you know, you got to put in the email. You got to think of a new password that you'll remember. And when you don't remember it, you're effed and it's, it's just dumb but for this movie i actually did the impossible and made a new account for was it apple tv or apple plus or whatever it's called yeah
0: apple tv is where this movie's at which that yeah. also like don't get me wrong i like this isn't the first time we've had to deal with a paywall wall for a film and i'm willing to hurdle that but i'm with you in the whole i don't want to create a new account because let's be honest, like the six month free trial thing, I'm just going to forget that I have it. And then I'm going to start getting charged for it. And then I'm going to get pissed off in six months. Like, why the fuck did I
1: just get a $7 charge or whatever? Yeah, I still haven't uh, canceled that. I probably should, but yeah. Like if it's small price to pay, a small price to pay indeed. Like if it's a three or $4 paywall, like the Alamo was, I don't give a shit like i don't even think like i spend that and don't even think about it and i'll pit. but making an account is just oh it's just so tedious
0: i guess you could have gone to walmart and like bought the dvd of this but is it out on dvd i think so i mean possibly I so
1: i heard here's th- go ahead
0: i was going to say here's the thing is uh I honestly don't think even if this film was free i would have gone out of my way to watch it if it wasn't for this show why is that like that's like it's just going back to my original point of just the the title of it and the premise of the film like it just doesn't do it justice for how good it actually is not to mention i i'm not much of a a zach efron guy but I was gonna I also, get into I, that
1: later, but I agree with you.
0: I, I thought he had a quite a stellar performance in this.
1: Oh, in my opinion, he killed it in this, and that seems to be the consensus is that he went above and beyond for this role. And like I was even reading some behind the scenes for this, and the real chick Donahue, he had never heard of Zach Efron before this movie i'm
0: trying to imagine an 80 year old man watching a high school musical to find out who's playing him in a
1: movie and it was his granddaughter that told him who he was and even he was on the fence about it but he personally told zach efren that he knocked it out of the park on this one and i completely agree zach efren did amazing and like you were saying before I wasn't a huge Zac Efron fan. Like I thought he was the pretty boy Disney actor type, but no, he showed his chops in this movie, in my opinion. And I really should stop saying that. But anyway, I first heard about this story through Reddit of all places. And it was the today I learned subreddit and it talked about this and how this one dude on a, basically a, bet in his hometown or home borough, whatever. Borough neighborhood, whatever. It, neighborhood, his neighborhood, his neighborhood watering hole, a pub like this drunken bet that he made to deliver beer to his friends in Vietnam, and he actually did it. And that intrigued me because holy shit, how do you pull this off? And I like dug, dig, I did a little bit of digging and found that they made a movie about this. And not only a movie, but a memoir about this dude's adventures. And that really interests me. (laughs) Because, holy shit, like, if you were to pull this off, this is all you'd be able to talk about for decades with your drinking buddies at the bar, right? Like, remember that time I delivered. Like you would think dance bad. Remember that time I delivered beer to my friends in Vietnam.
0: <laughs> I I love the like I know it's like way down the line in the movie, but my favorite one of my favorite scenes in this movie is when he's sitting at the the hotel bar and he's surrounded by a bunch of reporters because he's looking for a way like essentially needs a reporter to to get him around the country or that's his first idea before he goes on his cia shenanigans but uh you know he's you know he's chewing them out because you know he's still very pro-war pro-military and all that um And you know, he's like, all you guys ever do is talk shit. You're not helping anybody. It'd be nice if you saw, like, just said something nice every once in a while. And they're like, what are you doing? He's like, I am bringing my friends beer. And they're like, you know, they have beer here, right?
1: (laughs) 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 And I actually did research this, like what beer they had available. And the answer was predominantly whatever they could drink that they could the logistics could get to them but there was this Vietnamese beer I think it was I don't know how to say it in Vietnamese nor will I even attempt it but it's like translates to 33 and that became a bigger brand in America after the war when returning veterans would ask for it and it's a whole thing here now but for our listeners the beer that he smuggled to Vietnam was it was Pabst Blue Ribbon which we're which is what we're drinking tonight in honor of this movie we finally we finally coordinated it yeah after how many weeks of you haranguing me for getting with the program actually no I don't want to hear it because I drank Pacific yeah Pacifico last week I gave you I gave you props for Pacifico last week for our listeners he was he's beaten me he's hit me for not drinking themed beer and alcohol it's an abusive relationship we share for this not really i'm kidding but yeah i actually drank pacifico for the alamo review which that was a mid movie but that's not what this podcast is about this podcast is about the greatest beer run ever told which i do believe that this is one one of the greatest beer runs ever made in history. And it was brought to you by Pabst Blue Ribbon,
0: who is also who is also not our sponsor tonight, but if you wanted to be, more than happy
1: to. Yeah, and I, I did some more research, and I'm going to say that a lot, but apparently he also smuggled Schlitz as well. So if Schlitz wants to sponsor us, that'd be great as well. Imagine after all this
0: time, Schlitz is the company that That actually throws a dollar our way. (laughs) Out of all of them, schlitz. God. Mm. Oh, the metal shavings are cutting my throat.
1: But man, I really relate to a 26 year old protagonist that's spinning his wheels and just being a lazy piece of shit that wakes up at noon or 3 p.m., then goes out to drink and party, and then does it all again the next day. I love the fact that uh,
0: you know he talks this big game, and you know, you know he does the standard drunk guy thing. He's like, "I'm gonna bring our boys beer and show them that we appreciate them." And then the next day, everybody's oh, like, shit. "It." He's like, "I don't know if I can make it work." And everybody's like, "It's okay. Nobody actually thinks you're going to." He's like, "What do you mean nobody and thinks he, I'm going to?"
1: He takes that personally, and
0: well, that's, such like,
1: a, "That's such a guy thing to do." Like, it, it is. Yeah, it's like. What do you mean everybody thinks I'm actually a pussy? Like yeah, like there's no amount of encouragement you can do that compares to doubt in a male's mind. Like, like I could I'll fucking show you. I could spend 50 years saying like, "Oh, DP, you should go to you should go to Iraq and make a beer run." No, it'll totally make a difference. But as opposed to uh Mitch thinks you're a pussy. He doesn't, he doesn't think you can get to Iraq with that beer. He thinks you're full of shit. What do you think he's going to do? <laughs> like, given those two options. You know what? You're right. I am a pussy. I don't need to go to Iraq. Oh, I'm making a point, damn it. But also, I was getting to that. Like, building on top of the point you gave me. Like, there is a point in the movie where he pulls some string well he doesn't even really pull some strings he just he he does his job as a merchant mariner and he goes to the office and he's like oh are there any ships to vietnam and he's like oh well wouldn't you know it? there's one and you can see it on his face he's like oh shit but he plays it off and he's like oh well you probably don't need an oiler or something well that's all i can do really is just an oiler and he's like Oh, well, wouldn't you know it? There's an Euler position open. And he's like, fuck. But he <laughs> plays it off like, oh, well, you're probably not leaving anytime soon, right? He's like, actually, we're leaving tonight in three hours. And he's like, god damn it. And that scene, honestly, is one of my top scenes of this movie and possibly of this podcast so far, just of how well Zach Efron acted it like in my ultimate
0: version of like today you're trying to you're trying to bail out on plans you made with somebody and you're like oh i oh you know i'm just not feeling that well like when you're trying to think of a bs excuse to text over the phone and there's literally nothing that you can say so you end up going to whatever event that you actually didn't want to do
1: but like he's offered the position of an oiler on this ship going to vietnam and you can tell like zach efren knocks it out of the park with how he acted this like you can tell he doesn't really want to do this and he's having second thoughts but god damn it like of a couple minutes ago his friends were like oh yeah they're saying you're a and you won't really do it so you know he's getting his arm twisted (laughs) into doing this and he does it god damn it and that's one of my possibly my favorite scene in this movie is like it's written all over his face like i don't want to do this but like lady luck fell face first into my lap on this occasion so i have to do it now and there's like there's a point where you can tell like there's no going back now like i've talked a big game and the stars aligned on this i have to do this (laughs) uh yeah
0: i will say that one thing i didn't really appreciate about the whole merchant marine side of this was we get the scene he's like on the boat and it's leaving and then it's literally like a half second flash and then he's immediately in vietnam i know it it, it's not too terribly important to the story but i think it would have been fine to add one minute of like seeing him go through the panama canal or just like you know just seeing the boat transverse a a wide ocean just so we get more of the oh yeah he's doing this thing
1: but at the same time what would have that added to the movie just just a just
0: an aesthetic i think you know on okay, yeah,
1: I can see it. Would, that it
0: wouldn't have progressed the story any, but it just would have been kind of like a supporting shot that I think could have I, I just felt like it was something was missing in that little section. Cause it's you know, you're talking about, you know, he mentions the fact that, you know, being on the ship is months of back breaking labor.
1: Yeah, uh, he was doing to,
0: double shifts. Yeah, it would have been I think it would have been helpful just to establish that it's not as simple as like,
1: you know, snapping your fingers and suddenly he's in Vietnam. And I did kind of have that feeling when I first watched this movie where like he's in New York and then boom, he's immediately in Vietnam. Like, I feel like if they had some time to spare, there could have been like a stop gap there, but what was I going to say? So, and I also, what I read about this, he's all, in real life, the real Chick Donahue had been to Vietnam two or three other times before this beer run. And that helped him because the Mariners were like, oh, you know, he's just doing, he's just doing leave. You're like, you know, he's done this before. He's, this is the third or fourth time he's been to Vietnam when, and yeah, and that was the, stories like he's delivering munitions he's delivering supplies and blah 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 but like what in your opinion would have added to that scene more or what it would have added that wasn't already inferred of him traveling or uh, however many thousand nautical miles he said
0: you know maybe maybe we could have uh had a little montage just like a two minute montage with some 70s music oh okay yeah. you know where we see him working in the in the engine room and there's like a rough sea scene or he's you know passing through the panama canal just just a little montage to to show the the
1: actual weight of this journey to get there yeah and i bet there's which, a deleted scene out there of that probably no no which
0: say that out loud speaking of music a plus to this movie for not using fortunate son i was i was gonna
1: save that and yeah i was shocked too a vietnam movie without fortunate son oh my god somebody called guinness but what was i gonna say yeah and the scene where he's like oh shit i have to do this And then it immediately jump cuts to him piling the cases of beer next to that duffel bag and him stuffing in all those beers into the duffel bag. And I I also did research this as well. And Chick Donahue, he himself doesn't know how many beers he smuggled, but he thinks it's around 60 to 70 beers of Schlitz and PBR into the country. That is both a lot and also seems like not that much. Well, oh, it's that's a lot to me. Like, you know me, I would have had more than a couple on the way over.
0: Well I mean, don't get me wrong, like sixty or seventy beers is a lot to be carrying around in a duffel bag. But also if you're thinking, like if we're looking at this movie where he's planning on stopping to see like five different dudes like that divi- the, the division on that math starts limiting the number of drinks
1: per person real quick and that that is something that i was thinking about during the movie is like he's just giving these beers out wanton. like how does he manage this but there is kind of a um limitation on how many beers you can give out, right? But there's also the real life section where he probably didn't give out that many beers to his comrades and whatnot. But more on that later. Um, Him bargaining with his captain for three days of shore leave. Is that a lot to ask of your captain, especially with the work you've given? I, I have no idea. I've never been a merchant Marine,
0: but I feel like if you've been at sea for a couple of months that getting like a day or two off the ship is not out of the question.
1: Yeah. Um, And <laughs> the fact that he found that first friend immediately, that seems ridiculous, but that actually happened where his, the first friend on his list was stationed right fucking there. <laughs> and that was also in the movie that was like or no that was also in real life where he was like okay you made your point dude like just call it quits right now because this country's fucked like if you try to move to the other friends you will die <laughs> and he tries to talk him out of it but chick's like nah dude it'll be fine but i love um, that this
0: is i love that the this uh particular part of the story is also where we start the whole him pretending to be a cia agent thing yeah
1: i was gonna mention that and that actually happened in real life too where he's partying with the dude and then their commander comes in he sees his immediate subordinate in full uniform and then just this random fucking guy in khakis and a polo button up and he's like who are you he's like oh i'm just a tourist and he didn't think anything of it at the time he just like semi-jokingly said that and then the dude is like oh uh, as you were and then ran away and he didn't think about the implications of that sentence until it was explained to him that oh they think you're cia and that's one of the fastest ways of getting demoted out here is cocking off to somebody higher up than you and they don't want to risk it and and I even read this, like for the rest of the, his time in Vietnam, like he even he was going around saying, like, "Oh, I could tell you what my rank is, but you wouldn't believe me," or, "I can't tell you who I work for," and like wink at them, and they would just like let him have it. <laughs>
0: so that that strikes me as a very military or government thing to do,
1: where it's like it really is. <laughs> it really is and i was joking with my buddies because yesterday i went shooting with them and one of my buddies shows up in a polo and khakis to shoot an ak-47 and the the buddy that bought that brought the ak-47 is a military dude and we were joking like oh yeah the Polo button-up dude's a CIA agent, and and the he's the military dude, and I'm the brown farmer. They're teaching to fight (laughs) at America's enemy, and that and that was perfect because the night before I watched this movie, and that was what he was wearing is like a button-up Hawaiian shirt with a khakis, and what's it gonna. Uh, I was going somewhere with oh yeah like his buddy was like yeah dude just cut it off here like I love you and this is a good story you've proved your point just go home but other people in his military squadron were like oh no this is how you get to what was it LZ Jane yeah LZ Jane this is how you get to LG Zane no the roads cut off here you're gonna have to take a helicopter here no no they won't let him here they'll never let him here this is how and blah 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 and he eventually decides to go to the hotel right yeah and this is where we meet russell crowe's character the jaded grizzled war correspondent let me say russell crowe's come a long way since gladiator he sure has.
0: I, I thought he did a a good job in this one, but he definitely his his appearance has changed a lot over the last twenty years, which I guess is something that he, is true of anybody who ages by twenty years. But um, I don't know. It was uh, interesting to see him in this particular role.
1: It really was, and I think he ad- I think he added a lot to this movie. I appreciated the fact
0: that he wasn't, like, a primary component to Chickie getting around. Like, obviously, he is a a pretty big part uh, later in the movie um, when the Tet Offensive happens. Um, But when I saw the movie poster for this and I saw that Russell Crowe was going to be involved in it, I thought... You know like i said earlier i thought it was going to be like national lampoon's uh you know vietnam vacation miranda made a joke to me she's like is this like is russell crowe and zach efron doing bill and ted's like bogus vietnam film like so i i was expecting a much bigger role from him uh but i i think he fit in just just right for the amount that he was on screen
1: and building on top of that, I I want uh, all altogether now, kids, I did some research and apparently his character isn't in the book at all. He like he's not even a character. He was just added into the movie, which. Yeah, I guess they needed a vehicle to add that plot drivenness to the movie. And they had russell crowe to fill it to move the plot plot along but at the same time did you need it i don't know i so this is where
0: i think the film gets its uh its serious tone or the kind of thought-provoking aspect to it because you know when he's sitting down in the bar and he first encounters The journalists, obviously, the whole reason he is going on this big adventure is because, you know, he sees the protests at home. His sister is one of the protests and he's on the opposite side of the fence. You know, there's this big dichotomy of either you're super for the war or you're super against it. And, you know, at the the beginning of the film, Chicky, he says a line that really kind of speaks to that you know, 1940s, 1950s vibe of America, which is, you know, have you ever considered that maybe our government has it all figured out, but they just didn't bother to tell you. (laughs) It's like, it's like, Oh yeah. The must've been nice to have lived in a time where you could wholly trust your government. But, and, uh, I would like to say to our FBI agents that I love America and, uh, (laughs) <laughs> I, I have no beef with the government
1: at all right nsa Z- zero right um, Man.
0: but um the, the thing i wanted to discuss with you or ask you is um, obviously we see this character progression with chicky where he goes from being super one side of the pendulum to kind of more center line um you know you having taken like media and journalism classes in college. Um, What did you think about the, the kind of the big argument that um, was occurring between him and the reporters, which is the reporters are on one side of the fence where, you know, they, they think and believe that they're doing a great service by reporting what they see as the truth. And by being honest, or what they believe, to be honest, they think they're doing the most good and will affect the most change. And Shiki comes at it from the perspective of, yeah, the, like people need to know this, but also like would it kill you to share something positive every now and again? Because it's, and it's a it's a theme that we see with the protesters and uh, the pro-war people is, you know, you get a lot of the protester people saying like we're making a change because we're we're trying to bring an end to the war and that will help the troops because they won't have to fight it anymore then you have the pro-war people who are obviously saying you know the first thing they see when they step off an airplane is a sign calling them baby killers how's that helping them so i guess what did you think about the 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 journalism side of this story
1: that's what I liked about this film is the, how they portrayed the journalism side of the film, because they even say like, oh, we're here to portray the truth and the, nothing but the truth and the whole truth. And at the same time, they were feeding into that anti-soldier rhetoric of all oh, baby killers and the yeah, the whole welcome home that a lot of Vietnam veterans got that, in my opinion, is a still black mark on the whole military service side of it. But at the same time. I like that they talked about how Vietnam was. I I think they called it like the first um, living room war, you know, where we like. It was in color in at that time, high definition. and It was being broadcast all over the world and a lot of people really don't understand the phrase. The pen is mightier than the sword when that was our first reminder. Of that fact and. If that like what they saw on TV was a drastic change of what they were told was going on in the war from Westmoreland. Which is portrayed in the film, by the way, where like where he's talking, like, oh, we're, I think we're making a positive change here, but then we see firsthand through Chicky's point of view, people are dying, and civilians are getting hurt through this war.
0: That was uh, there was one scene that I thought was incredibly powerful, and it happens during the uh, the Tet Offensive. Uh, <laughs> uh, scenes where Chicky and Russell Crowe are, uh, running around the town and you see this Jeep get blown up and a couple of soldiers are nearby and you know, you, you get the like hazy like shell shock effect. And there's a dude with his arm missing and the, like the camera moves over to Russell Crowe and you see him immediately like pick up his camera and start taking pictures of stuff. Um, and it it's very much the um i don't know if you ever heard the the phrase if it bleeds it reads kind of thing
1: and i haven't heard that actually
0: yeah it's it's such a it's just so gross it's it's one of those you know any other person with in that situation would think i either have to run away from here or i need to help those people and This particular individual and granted it's his job to report the news and to document things, but also You have such a horrendous event and as opposed to The action that this person takes isn't a positive or a negative It is purely a bystander kind of thing and it's My my action is I am going to record this because Mm -hmm. I will profit from this at a later point yeah and it's it's under the guise of i'm here to tell the truth tech deal
1: Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of people even today that are like oh yeah the media lost us vietnam like oh they're the reason we lost vietnam and blah 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 I think some no, guys they in black. But I think some guys in black pajamas are the reason we lost Vietnam. The politicians are the reason we lost Vietnam. The media the media just talked about it.
0: Like I'll be honest, I am not very proficient in Vietnam. I know the bullet points of it, uh, but I don't know it that well. Um. But when I was looking when i was looking up some stuff for this episode i came across a little article that was basically you know after the Tet offensive or when this movie is taking place johnson was seriously considering trying to work out a withdrawal or negotiations and nixon actually tanked it which mm-hmm. we will get much deeper if we whenever we get around to the washington post movie but Um, yeah, it's crazy to think about how many years we were involved in that conflict after the fact, knowing that we weren't going to win. Cause I think if I remember correctly, the Tet Offensive occurred in 68 or 69. So we had Mm -hmm. been there for like, so we'd been there for like three in full force. We had been there for like three years, three, four. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which our previous wars up to that, you know, Korea had been three years. uh, World War II for us had been like four years, four. Yeah. So it was at this, you know, at this time, America in its recent history is used to like, okay, this should be the finish line type deal. And instead we dragged it out for years and years, even though there, there wasn't going to be an end in sight
1: really. It was the start of an era where shit just don't feel like it's resolved. You know what I'm saying? Right. Well, you're like, OK, World War Two resolved within four years. Politician does some shithead thing. He either gets killed or resigned. But today, when we get result, when we get involved in a war, it's like, OK, a quagmire for 10 maybe more years politician does something we talk about it for four or five or more years and then it just evaporates we just let it mellow we just let it lie like it it just feels like shit don't get resolved anymore to me yeah i uh
0: i'm curious if there's anybody from like the 1800s has ever felt this way. Um, I'd be very interested to see. I would love to see like in like a newspaper op-ed from like 1850 with somebody talking this way, but I've yet to see something like that. But, um, cause I would hate to think that this is the only time in American history that this is how people have felt, but, um, going to the whole negative versus positive thing you know one of the common arguments that was brought up is like oh the the vietnamese don't even want us over there and uh i think that kind of brings up one of the most uh powerful or affecting uh moments or scenes or storylines in in this film is uh the character oklahoma oh yeah i was gonna bring that up as well so you know zach efron you know he's more or less his life is saved by this police officer crossing guard type dude Mm -hmm. uh and you know he just has like a regular two-minute passerby kind of conversation but he ends up running into this guy again and you know it's it's weird that this You know zach efron maybe has a total of four to five minutes of contact with this human being but he goes from complete stranger to yeah you can sleep at my parents place when you come to the united states
1: i'll buy uh, you a beer which is important for him
0: yeah um you know it's really affecting and you you can see that the character oklahoma um like like he is genuinely excited about this he like, like he is so stoked like to the point like he pulls out a notepad is like write me your address you know um so I think I think that's you know I think that's great in the sense of you know when Chickie is telling the reporters like why can't you ever say or display something positive like I think you know it's great that we actually see, The kind of positivity that he's looking for being displayed by himself you know because i because the 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 living room war that's what it was called yeah you know i i don't think when he's going on his diatribe against the uh the reporters he's like you should write my story about how i'm bringing beers to my buddies i like you know it definitely comes off as like I want to hear the story about this interaction that I had with this person that was, you know, generally, genuinely kind of pure. And then, you know, obviously there's the the massive heartbreak of, you know, having Oklahoma die during mm-hmm. the the Tet offensive scene, which I'll I'll be honest, this is the third time I've ever shed a tear during a film. <laughs> I'm proud that I rip that tear from your tear duct you know what the the first time i ever cried during a film was what finding dory why i just <laughs> the, the the scene where uh, dora gets reunited with her family it just really pulled oh, okay, at the heartstrings
1: yeah. oh it's reasonable
0: and then i i also shed a tear during uh the whale starring brendan Fraser. but don't spoil anything because i haven't watched that myself Oh it's uh <laughs> it's a great film but I would say it's uh maybe you watch it once in your lifetime and you're good
1: Grave of the Fireflies like which by the way if we ever watch that I ain't I ain't watching it again
0: Fair enough
1: Have you seen it I am not Well save it until we have a video about it because Christ yeah it is a movie but that's all so, about.
0: i think there was there was one other scene that i love it it, and it's it's not you know kind of going back to the whole his cia storyline i just the, the i don't know about you but the moment that cracks me up the most in this entire film is when he finally makes it to lz jane and he's like i need to see so and so and you know his buddy runs through machine gun fire back to the bunker um and in the process of him doing this zach efron's character is like here cover me with this tarp and the like the grizzled sergeant's like no No. yeah that
1: scene (laughs) and then uh
0: he like so his buddy comes into the bunker and then you know he jumps out he's like surprise oh god I brought you beer and he's just the look on his his buddy's face is like
1: what what <laughs> yeah and then i knew and then the fact that
0: he, the fact he like he's like i'm gonna murder you like
1: yeah like i was actually stressed during that scene like oh fuck is his friend going to die and you see him running back to the bunker like bullets flying and he's scared almost dying also I don't know,
0: like like I said, I, I don't know a ton about Vietnam. But LZ Jane seemed like a super exposed, like, outpost. Like, There's
1: actually it? a whole thing about that.
0: Because um... it, it looks like like the outpost bunker and then, like, a trench and then there's nothing else there. And I, I, to me, I was like, I feel like there has to be more infrastructure to this place than that.
1: I remember reading somewhere that the um, Marine Corps and the army would intentionally keep these bases open, even though they knew they were about to be attacked on mass because they knew they could defend it. They just wanted to keep soldiers there and get as many Vietnamese killed to send a message. You know, like we have this point that's not tactically valuable, but you can't take it. That was their line of thinking, like sticking their tongue out. Uh, yeah. It's like it's like holding something from your little brother. Like he wants a popsicle, and you have keep it. away. Yeah, and you like have your hand on his forehead, and you're like, "Huh, huh, you want it? You want it?" It was like that. That that was
0: just one of the things that kind of struck me as a little weird with the way that that area was kind of portrayed, but I guess that makes more sense.
1: And they didn't have the manpower to have round-the-clock patrols to completely clear out the Viet Cong and the NVA from the areas, so it was just an average part of life, you know, just don't be out after a certain like, don't be out after sundown and don't look like you're an officer (laughs) or else you'll get sniped right
0: what did we think about uh bill murray's appearance in
1: this film <laughs> i didn't think it was bill murray for a second i'm gonna be honest i it took me a second too uh you know we got
0: quite a ways into the film and i think it was like the second scene at the bar that i finally i looked over at miranda i'm like is that bill murray she's like yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: i love the fact that And I don't know if this is true, but I remember reading somewhere uh, somebody was talking about how Bill Murray uh, accepts film projects, which is you don't go to his agent and like pitch a movie and then like the agent tries to sell Bill Murray on it or like you don't go to him directly. There's apparently a fax number that you fax (laughs) a script to him and maybe he reads it. Maybe he does not And the fact that there was a point that Bill Murray received a fax where the first page says the greatest beer run ever. (laughs) And he's like, you know what? I'm going to read this. Let's, let's see what this is about. Yeah. Just, just blows my mind. It's kind of like when, It's imagining him receiving the script for Zombieland and it's like, fucking what? (laughs) I don't know. But I thought, again, another great performance was Bill Murray as the the bar owner. Um, You know, obviously, we're used to him being a comedian or being in a comedic role. And, like, obviously, his character does say funny things, but it's interesting seeing him as just kind of a normal person
1: right right yeah and him being the i think it was even a world war ii vet the colonel that's what he was based off of real person but he never reached colonel that's just a nickname they had for him and he was the and that scene of him uh chicky realizing like hey i should deliver beer to them that was pretty much what happened in real life it was just a conversation between him and colonel like, hey, I should deliver beer to my friends. Yeah, yeah, do it. <laughs> but um, another thing that I'd like to note is this movie takes place. Well, the crux, the point of this movie takes place over like three days in Vietnam, and he just bumbles into his friends. Then they're hither and thither. But no, apparently he was in Vietnam for four months tracking down his friends and just chilling in the meantime.
0: It's a long time to be there.
1: It is. And it's weird that he was able to stay there for four months. I think I
0: appreciate the movie put like the three-day timeline on this because then there's a sense of urgency for him to get to place yeah. to place.
1: Especially towards the end where he's get trying to get out of country during the Tet Offensive.
0: Yeah, and it definitely... I think it helped keep the movie going or just... Like we didn't a sense get of really urgency
1: like you said yeah
0: yeah no so i mean this film this film i think is 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 honestly very very good and i wish they had named it something different so i would have taken it more seriously what the greatest beer run ever doesn't tickle your fancy it's not that it doesn't tickle my fancy, it's just, it's not, with that title, it's not going to be at the top of my list of things to watch. I'm going to, it's like, like, we've already made this joke however many times, but I'm going to treat it with the same level of regard as, like, American Pie at this point. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like American Pie is a fine movie, but also, I, it, I have other things I can watch on a Saturday night.
1: And like I said, I wasn't expecting, like I was more, I was expecting more comedy than drama. And this film is marketed as a dramedy, but the drama parts really hit you. Like Uh, when he gets his first taste of war at LZ Jane and his buddy chews him out and put him, puts him in his place. Like you know, like you really shouldn't be here. And he takes him to the forward operating base of their ambush point and they're getting shot at and like his compatriots are just dumbfounded as to why he's there and oh, yeah. yeah I mean the
0: the drama parts they they hit so hard that a lot of times you forget that there is a comedy element to
1: this film One mm-hmm. 100% and it, like that scene where he's just chilling in the bunker oh, not even, trench with that one dude and he's like yeah i made it out of my first uh tour of duty here and i just couldn't relate to anyone back home and i felt guilty so i came back here and then i came back here again after my second tour and then all he can say is just jesus christ we'll see that recurring theme and uh the Hurt
0: Locker, which I'm not yep. looking forward to reviewing that film, but I have seen that movie. We'll see how we'll see how long it takes to get around to that one.
1: Mm-hmm. It's a decent movie, and there. Mm-hmm. Oh, what? Do you not like
0: it? No, not not really, and uh, there, there's a lot of people who who don't like it actually.
1: Well, that's a bridge we'll cross when we get to it. But the crux of my point... God damn it, I gotta stop saying that. But the main point that I'm trying to make, and I gotta stop saying that as well...
0: The bridge to your argument? I don't know.
1: Shut up. (laughs) Yeah, okay, the bridge to my argument.
0: Counting chickens and eggs, hand in the bush, and birds and stuff?
1: Yeah, is that he gets more than he bargains for. Like, a war zone is, surprise, surprise, an actual war zone when he gets there. And they're grateful for the beers. And he even says it in himself, like, this is the first time I've seen them smile in weeks when you came here and gave us beers. And I was really happy. Actually, that elephant scene where he's walking up that road alone and all of a sudden the elephants just burst out and almost run him over. That, And then... Great jump scare, by the way. Wasn't expecting it. And one in a million chance, the dude he's looking for comes down the road in a Jeep. Surprisingly enough, that actually happened too, where he just chanced upon his friend one night in a Jeep. That, yeah, like that surprisingly actually happened too. And yes, he got a beer. And even then, I was like, oh, come on, give him a beer. He, like, stuck his neck out for you. And then he's like, oh, wait, hold on, I got something for you. And then chucked him a beer. That was so heartwarming. I was really hoping that the beer would get chucked into, like, the rotor blades of the helicopter. (laughs) Because of
0: course you would. (laughs) Here, catch! Sorry, that was the last one.
1: Yeah, and I'm impressed that he kept that close of a count of the beers that he had left. And, like it said, everybody that he delivered a beer to not only survived the war, but came back and mostly quit drinking. I mean, mostly is good enough, isn't it? Mostly is good enough for me as well. So,
0: I think it might be... uh... Unless you have any other points you wanted to make, I think it's about time for some raw tomatoes.
1: And I have it pulled up. So the critics say that this movie's a 43% on the tomometer, but the audience says this is a 91%. And what do you think?
0: So I can't think of a more apt rating for this film uh than to use our good old pbr can so i would say that this film i i wrong i i thought i was going to agree with the critics on this one just like right out of the gate but after seeing this film i i strongly disagree i think this is a solid nine pbr cans and one that is half full
1: so nine and a half 9.5
0: nine and a half beer so, cans
1: for me i agree with you i think this is nine pbrs in a schlitz out of ten <laughs> how many schlitzes <laughs> equal a pbr i don't know a half whatever but what i'm saying is i agree with the audience on this one i don't really know why the critics ragged on this movie it was a good one yeah you you definitely get more than what you're expecting from this film absolutely and i'm glad that this was our first vietnam movie and i'm glad that i'm the one that picked this i was going to say did we you know this is our first
0: vietnam film and i'm shocked absolutely stunned that we didn't do we were soldiers or platoon
1: first yeah yeah right those are the first movies people think of when they sit here vietnam movies i think even two or three weeks ago i sent you a message i'm like oh i'm thinking about doing
0: we were soldiers for my next choice and then it 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 didn't happen because i changed it to whatever but yeah um I think we ended up doing Down Periscope that week,
1: <laughs> which, again, a movie that is fun to watch, and I will die on this hill to defend. <laughs> Down
0: Down Periscope is our uh, is the gold standard for films. For us.
1: <laughs> Let's not get ahead of ourselves, but yeah, I was going,
0: I was going to get a T-shirt made up with it, with two crabs duking it out.
1: <laughs> yeah, I give this two crabs out of two duking it out all right but
0: yeah so so uh next week is my film choice and uh i would love to be able to definitively say what next week's film choice is but we are going to be joined by a or at least i believe this is going to happen we're going to be joined by a special guest next week um what i can say for our listeners is that it will either be a bridge too far or the longest day and uh we'll keep the details of our our guest a secret for now just to not get anybody's hopes too far up so but tense you can tune in next week to find out which one of those two we actually end up reviewing so mm-hmm. which both of them are big imagine if oceans 11 was a world (laughs) war ii movie that's that's basically what both of those are because they have both of those film have like every big name in hollywood starring in them and there's just massive films um i think they're both like three hours long so it's it's going to be a i'm very excited for our guests that we're having lined up, I think he'll have a a lot of insight to, to add to the, to the topic. So, um, other than that, do you have anything, Jack?
1: I have nothing.
0: All right. Well, if you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review. The stars do matter. Um, follow us on Instagram and Facebook and, uh, to all the companies that we name dropped, uh, <laughs> if you want to send us a DM, I'll, I'll give you us. I'll give you our uh, Venmos. So, that being said, um, I hope everybody has a good week of, and we've enjoyed having you. I've been John,
1: and I'm Jack,
0: and we will catch you next time.
1: Bye.